What's up, world? Welcome to another episode of the Brandon Janu Show. As you know, I am Brandon Janu. Like always, all podcast platforms are with Brandon Janu Show. Uh, social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook, Brandon Janu Show. And of course, YouTube channel is where you can find the visual, the clips. Shout out to all the new subscribers <laughs> uh, on my YouTube channel. Uh, really, really, really appreciate it, man. Um, all the new subscribers. Uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode tonight. Um, this is, of course, Podcast Tuesday, so you already know what I'm about to do. That is called I Bleed Sports. Crazy, crazy week. Of course, I will be doing another I Bleed Sports episode just dedicated to the NFL playoffs, which starts this weekend, but (sighs) let's get into it, man. So, before I start off, of course, with last night's college football game, and of course, like I said, the final, 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 final uh, uh, week in the NFL, of course, like I said, playoffs, of course, I got my big four, I got uh, my big four, my eyes on the NFL, and of course, levels of warning tonight for the NFL, so let's get into it, man. Um, first, I got to start off with this, and that is... So there's a lot of basketball stories that I have to address today, man. I got to get into it right at the gate with some basketball, of course. Um, So, the Lakers are, Lakers won last night, so I don't know what the hell the downfall of the Lakers that everybody's been screaming about. Uh, Lakers won last night to beat the Clippers, but they've been on a dire spiral ever since um, technically, ever since, um, they won the in-season tournament, and I feel like, uh, I feel like, this is why I said in my NBA preview show that I do not see the Lakers being great this year. I thought a lot of people that was hyping them up, I'm like, you're only hyping them up because, of what the ending of last year looked like for them, not the sweeping by the Denver Nuggets of them, more so them just getting to the Western Conference Finals, and people just thought they were going to just easily roll into the season and do the same shit. And, yes, they won the end-season tournament. They're pretty much the only goddamn team that took it very fucking serious, clearly. But ever since then, you could see the cracks in the team, and you could see that they have lost the motivation to continue. And this is where the in-season tournament might hurt the NBA because the Lakers are supposed to be this dominant franchise coming into this season. Even though I didn't have them pegged as that, but a lot of people did. They thought they were going to the Western Conference Finals. And, and, and like I said, during the offseason, a lot of people were like, look at all the people they signed and bought in. I'm like, you bought in literally role players. That's all you bought in. You didn't bring in anything substantial. You didn't bring in a third top-tier score that can stay on the court for the next for 30 minutes, not play all play all the games and not have breaks like LeBron James need or Anthony Davis. And here's the crazy part. Anthony Davis and LeBron James have not been really banged up or injured like that. So the fact that the Lakers are having this bad of a start to their season in recent times, the last couple of weeks they've had, what, like they just snapped a, what, a six-game losing streak last night to the – you know, so for that – into itself is a, is a, is a scary feeling. I mean, the Lakers to me, man, I didn't have that much faith coming into the season, but now people are like shitting on Darvin Ham, and this is where I got a problem with this: is that that is not Darvin Ham's problem. I know, I know, he's their coach, he's their coach. But what we need to start actually having a conversation of is Rob Palenka. This is the second straight season where Rob Palenka has come into the season with a roster that needs to be fixed before doing a trade deadline. This is the second consecutive fucking season he's done this shit. He's brought in a roster that literally does not look like they play well together. And the fact of the matter is, you're running out of time to in LeBron James' career, and more importantly, Anthony Davis' health to actually sit up here and try to play the game where you could just plug in anybody. The Lakers are not that team. They've never been that team. You're literally, like I've said, like I said at the beginning of my, like I said during the fucking preview show, you are asking LeBron James at 39 years old to literally put 40 minutes on his body every fucking night, damn near. And he still has to not just play 40 minutes, but damn near, not just play damn near 40 minutes, 
he's got to lead the team in probably points, assists, and steals, and blocks, and rebounds. Like, he's got to damn to do everything on the court. Amazing, incredible, but at the same time, bro, he's only, he's 39 fucking years old. Like, what the fuck, 38, 39 years old. What the fuck do you expect for this man to be when he, when you finally do get to the real off in season tournament when you really do get to the postseason what do you think he's going to be because i do not expect him to be 100 percent a great postseason player like that i think a lot of people are literally losing their goddamn minds if they think this dude they think the lakers are going to be some top tier team going into the playoffs they're going to have to make a crazy trade during the deadline. And this is the thing about this. Last year, you were lucky enough to pull off the trade for Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook ended up being a free agent and signed to the Clippers. You were lucky to make them trades at that time period. I'm looking at this team, and what are you going to trade off? Austin Reeves, you signed to a, 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 an ext- a, a contract during the offseason, which I felt like should have just let his ass walk because he's never going to do what he did for you last year. That was once in a fucking lifetime. Now that teams know who he is, they're not going to let – they know his game and they're going to force him to play that game. That's it. Uh, Hachimura, I think he also signed a deal uh, during the offseason. They literally kept pieces that literally you could have just let walk in the tra- in free agency and just sign better people. But the fact of the matter is you didn't try to get into a trade – the trade – Try to see at least if you get Damian Lillard. You didn't even try to see if you can get, you know, um, I wouldn't say James Harden, but James Harden, I guess, because looking how he looks now with the Clippers, he looks way more energized, but I don't think that's going to last forever. You didn't even try to go see if you can call up Atlanta and see if you can either Trey Young or Deontay Murray. Like, you didn't even try. And I know people are saying they're going to go do it now, but. If I'm Atlanta, I'm not flipping him for the fucking pieces that the Lakers have. What the fuck are they going to do with my team? You got Cam Reddish, who was drafted by the Hawks. What the fuck are we going to do with him? We let him go for a reason. I don't see how the Lakers fix this fucking roster. Maybe they do. Maybe they make some small end-roll cuts and trade some things. But if you're the Bulls, like with Zach Levine, or you're the Atlanta Hawks, like I said, if you're some of these teams with these pieces – you might not be moving these pieces like crazy if you know you can actually get more for them from an actual playoff team and with more shit like Miami. I don't think Miami has anything good on that team outside of Jimmy fucking Butler. But Miami makes you feel like they can win games with any player. And that is the difference. Miami can physically win games with any fucking player. I cannot say that about the Lakers. The Lakers literally need LeBron James and Anthony Davis to be on a fucking A game every fucking night to just pull off a fucking miracle. That is not good. That is not good. I don't think that's a good omen, man. That's a bad fucking thing, man. And for whatever this team is, and I mean this, you have to be damn near perfect. And I don't think the Lakers are damn near perfect this season. Now that you also now know that John Morant, which I'm about to get right into, John Morant is now out for the entire season with a torn labrum that he we found out last night during the uh, college football game. He tore his labrum. He is out for the entire season. Somebody that just came back from a 25-game suspension. It's crazy into itself that this man is just came back, dealt with all the problems, dealt with all the situations, and now is officially out for the rest of the year. That sucks. That 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 fucking sucks. That's that's a that that fucking sucks. But I feel like Memphis might be dead in the water. Now here's the thing: before he came back, Memphis was literally three and twenty. Like they were, they were a terrible team. Like I didn't know he made that much of a difference, but he made that. No, he is a franchise player, so that really does mean he made much of that much of a difference. But in a little amount of time that he played in the season, you can tell Memphis was just, like, catching a vibe with this dude. I don't know what Memphis is now. And and, and they may be, and that's where the conversation really, you know, falls into. Whereas Memphis is starting to catch, catch, catch ground on some of these teams. Now that the Memphis Grizzlies are kind of, kind of like dead in the water, you can kind of see um, them looking around saying, hmm, the Lakers might make the play-in. This is what I'm getting to. The Lakers might make the play-in. 
again this season. But I don't see how they get out of it. Yes. Can they make trades? Can they go get people? Of course they can. Will they? Yes, they will. Who they get particularly? Because here's the thing. The Lakers could let Austin Reeves walk, Hachimura walk, and D'Angelo Russell. Three people right now that you kind of like, I don't know how we fit these dudes in this team. And that's where the situation lies for the Lakers. I don't know what happens with the Lakers. But Memphis is the same. Memphis pretty much right now is just got to keep playing until they get a good lottery pick. That's all I can say about the Memphis Grizzlies. Um, and another person is the uh, Draymond Green. Draymond Green is officially reinstated. Got reinstated, I think, last night or the night before last. Can't remember. Um, he got reinstated back into the Golden State Warriors after serving a 12-game suspension. What do I think? I heard Draymond Green, you know, literally say uh, that he was thinking about retirement. Uh, and uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, talked him out of it. Um, I've watched Raymond Green since he was at Michigan State. I've seen this dude play for a long fucking time. His aggression is what got him into the NBA. His passion is what kept him in the NBA. And the fact that he is now going to probably be watched like a fucking hawk the rest of his career... I can understand why he would say I was thinking about retirement because let's be real. He probably should have probably retired because now for the next however long he decides to play or however long it is until he gets suspended again, he has to figure this out. He has to play now kind of with a lesser chip on his shoulder. And I don't know if Golden State, I don't know what that Golden State looks like without a, a extra aggressive Draymond Green. I don't, I don't know what that Golden State looks like. Go to State's another team. I did have a lot of hopes and 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 beliefs in. I thought they would be really good this season, coming off of the year that they had last year. Um, but the chemistry problems haven't been fixed. They haven't done a damn thing to fix the chemistry problems. And the fact of the matter is, you think just trade Jordan Poole and it would fix everything, but it doesn't. Um, I think they're. I think what the Go to State Warriors are having a hard time with is letting the superstars walk out the door. The guys that actually won them the titles. Steph Curry is still Steph Curry. You can you you can keep Steph Curry. Steph Curry is not the problem here. But the Clay Thompsons, which Clay has played a lot better since, you know, the last couple of weeks before, you know, when Draymond went out and then they just completely couldn't do shit. He's played a lot better. I will say that. But Draymond, Andrew Wiggins hasn't been right since he's come back from whatever problem he had last offseason. Some people say it was because his wife or some girl he was with was cheating on him. I don't know. That's alleged. I don't know. But he hasn't been right since then. Like, even when he came back in the postseason, you could tell he was just – it was something off with the dude. And he hasn't been right since. Um, which I can definitely see Go to State maybe calling up some teams and seeing if they can get, you know, him off the team. If I was – you know, you know, the Utah Jazz, I think the Jazz are pretty okay this season. But if the Jazz also are offering, let's say if you call a Jazz to see if you get Larry Marketing for, you know, Andrew Wiggins. I made that trade. I do that shit right now. I do that shit today. I trade. I get that shit. I would make that shit happen. Like, I would do that trade in a heartbeat if I was to go to State Warriors. If I can trade Andrew Wiggins for Larry Marketing right now, I would make that trade. That's not even a conversation. It's not even a goddamn question. I would do that trade in a fucking heartbeat. Because right now, Golden State needs youth. They don't need the veterans. They need youth to get them through this season. And then when they get in the playoffs, then you can use the veterans. But for right now, you need youth, athleticism, and just fucking uh, the ability to just spread the court open. And this is the thing about it. Draymond Green coming back is great. For them, but how long again is the how long will he actually be on the court before he gets suspended? And then you run into a massive fucking problem. <sighs> yeah. NBA, what can I say? Boxing. So Anthony Joshua is going to be fighting Francis Nagano. Um, 
they just said like in August, July, August. Um, first thoughts on this fight. Um, I think Francis is gonna get his ass whooped. Uh, it's it's it, it, uh, the best thing about your first fight is that nobody knows how good you are. You knocked out, you knocked down the heavyweight, the lineal heavyweight champion of the world, Tyson Fury. You knocked him down. Some people, me included, would say you won that fight. You won that fight. Now you're fighting Anthony Joshua, who's an actual better boxer. Not better than Tyson Fury, but he's a better boxer with now an actual, actual um, perception of what you're coming in with. He knows who you are. He's not afraid to fight you. So he knows exactly what to be looking for. And also, he's got months to train for you. It's not like you're fighting tomorrow. It fight the fight's in I think August. So he's got months to train for you. I don't know what Francis is gonna bring in that fight against Anthony Joshua. To be honest with you, I don't know. What I do know is this: it will not happen like the Tyson Fury fight. Tyson Fury literally did not know what the fuck Francis is bringing into that fight. I'm assuming Anthony Joshua will win. Depending on what happens in that fight, it's going to be pretty damn intriguing to see. Which makes me move to the lower. Well, the weight. Errol Spence Jr. Uh, got uh, corrective surgery on his eyes. Um... Uh, to attach his, I think it's his rectus back to his eyes and stuff. After the fight against, uh, you know, Terrence Crawford, the way he lost, um, it was a bad fight. That was a that was a terrible fight. So it's good to hear that he's actually trying to, you know, get things recorrected for him. Uh, especially, you know, two years after that, that devastating car accident. Like, that was a crazy, crazy car accident that he was in, um, a couple years ago. He never really got his eyes, uh, you know, eye surgery on it. So to go into a fight with Terrence Crawford and not even have your eyes really, you know, there, it's, it's, it's a dangerous situation. Why the hell would you put yourself through that? I have no idea. What does this mean? Well, I don't know how long this is supposed to take, but like I've been on record and said, if I was at Aerosprints, the first fight I would take is some dude that I know I could be like, Marcos Berrios. I think he just moved up to welterweight. I would fight Marcos Berrios uh, when my eyes get better. That would be my first fight back. I would not fight Terrence Crawford right out the fucking gate. That is crazy as shit. Do not do that. You need a tune-up fight. You cannot fight Terrence Crawford right out the fucking gate. You will get killed in that fight. Even if you're a better eyesight and everything, I just feel like the way you got hit, like beat down in that fight, like the way you got your ass whooped in that fight, you need to definitely, definitely take another fight before you fight Terrence Crawford. I, I, just, I just think you need a tune-up. You need a motherfucking tune-up. Some people might disagree with me, but fuck it. You saw that fight, you'd be like, nah, that nigga kind of, I nigga need to tune up. Like, <laughs> that nigga need to tune up, especially to work out your eyes. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. All right. So, last night was the college football playoff final, the national championship. And, no surprise, Michigan won the game 34-13. Um... Yeah, um, Michigan ran the ball for 303 yards. That shit sounds absolutely crazy that I just said 303 yards 
is what the damn Michigan Wolverines ran the ball for. But that's exactly what they ran the ball for, 303 yards. That's nuts. But the thing about, you know, Michigan um, is I think with Michigan, they were supposed to win. I love Michigan. I love Washington. Michael Penix. I've been on record to say Michael Penix Jr. should definitely be. Um, you know, I've been on record to say Michael Penix should definitely be the number one pick. Last night was not his best outing. I will easily say that that was a terrible outing. Um, his receivers damn sure didn't help. The offensive line was definitely getting pushed back a lot into his lap, which means, you know, a guy like him who can't – he could run, he's athletic, but he, he's not as athletic as he used to be. So I know a lot of people probably were turned off by that game if you are drafting a quarterback in the upcoming draft. I still think he's still better than, you know, Drake May and Caleb Williams. That's just me personally. Um, but I can definitely see how people would sit there and say, nah – that high-pressure situation, he just didn't show up in it. So I could definitely see how that could be a thing. But, um, yeah, he just didn't have a great game. Um, didn't help his receivers when he could get the ball out of his hands. Didn't really catch the ball. Kind of dropped a couple of big plays for him. It was a shaky game, man. Let's just put it like that. But, um, yeah, I mean – For what, um, for what Michigan though was last night, they were top tier. Like the way they played last night was the best Michigan could have played. Nobody was gonna be Michigan last night. I I truly believe that nobody was gonna be Michigan last night. Um, they absolutely the first drive would have broke your heart if you're a Washington fan. The first drive, like literally. You know, uh, Donovan Edwards gets the ball. He stopped behind the line. He stopped. He got him. And then he just stopped, broke out the tackle, turned around, and just broke off and just ran down the field like 60 fucking yards. You're like, like what, 50, 60 yards? And you're just like, you got to be fucking kidding me if you're Washington. Washington's defense, like I saw last year, uh, last week, I should say, against Texas. Washington's defense I saw last week against uh, uh, Texas late in that game, it made me paranoid for the Washington Huskies going into that game. That's why I kept saying, I don't know about this. Washington's defense, for the most part, this whole season has had struggles stopping teams. Um, So I'm not surprised Michigan won last night, not even in the slightest. Now the question really turns into what what happens with Jim Harbaugh. Will he leave? Will he stay? He's gone. I don't. I don't think Jim Harbaugh is going to stay in the, in college football, knowing that he finally bought the one thing that he kept saying that he wanted to go to college for, and that is a national championship. He bought prestige and a winning culture back to Michigan, an actual championship winning culture back to uh, Michigan, which is something they have sorely needed for since I was a kid. They have needed it. And he finally bought it back, man. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think he's gone. Um, the question that really lies is, you know, what team? And there's a lot of teams in the NFL, which brings me to the NFL, that fired their head coaches on Black Monday. Um, even some on, I don't know what you call it, Black Tuesday too? I don't know if you call it Black Tuesday because the coach got fired today. Um, but, um, yeah, congratulations to Michigan. I had Michigan, like I said, my favorite team the entire year. I don't know who the fuck saw Michigan and was like, oh, that team's going to struggle at some point during the season. They had their head coach. Bro, like I said, when you had your head, you didn't have your head coach for six fucking games and you only played 12 in the entire fucking college football season and you didn't have him for six fucking games, the first three and the last three, and you still found a way to go undefeated? Yeah, I'm pretty sure you're going to probably win a national championship. I did not have to watch the game last night to say Michigan's going to fucking win that game. That's pretty fucking obvious. But college football is officially over. 
I cannot wait to get back to it next year. It's going to be even crazier, a crazier thing, because next year I think the college football playoffs is going to 12 teams. That's bullshit. They're going to 12 teams. So next year I'll be doing – I'm still doing my crazy six. I'm not doing 12. That's fucking crazy. I'm not doing fucking 12. <laughs> I'm doing my crazy six next year. I'll be still doing my crazy six. I will be doing my eyes on on college football next year too. So if you liked all those things I did this year for college football, stay tuned. Uh, I will be back next year, next season for college football. Bleed, Purple and Gold, that's my LSU uh, podcast series I do. Um, that will be back also next year. So uh, season two for that and season two, my crazy six. My crazy six in my eyes on college football. They'll be back next year. I hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, but congratulations to the Michigan Wolverines. Congratulations to all the teams that played this season, man. Um, and I cannot wait to see what the fuck happens next year. Cause next year is going to be fucking nuts. Fucking uh, <laughs> nuts. So let's let's get into it. But like I said, Black Monday happened. Some teams laid off their head coaches. One team laid off their head coach soon as 12 o'clock hit. It was 11 o'clock here, but it was 12 o'clock in New York. And that was the Atlanta Falcons. Arthur Smith has been fired, but they kept the general manager. I don't know what fucking sense that made, but okay, I guess. Uh, with a 7-10 and 10 record, Atlanta, his last game, Arthur Smith coach, was against my New Orleans Saints. <laughs> and we bust that ass 48-17. to 17. Whooped his ass so good. We just... Atlanta was like, bro, we should just leave your ass in Atlanta. We should leave your ass in New Orleans and fiend for yourself, but we're going to let you fly to the city. As soon as you get off the plane, your ass is fired. So Atlanta is now looking for a new head coach, but like I said, not a new general manager, which makes no fucking sense, but okay. Um, Washington fired Ryan Rivera and the general manager of Washington. Um... Ron Rivera finished the season with 4-13 and now is the second pick in the NFL draft. That is, I mean, well, if you're going to lose, you might as well lose with the second pick. I mean, <laughs> might as well get the second pick out the fucking deal. Um, I'm not too surprised that Michael Penn, uh Washington ended the season this way. I mean, I kind of did pick Washington if you watch me and my brother Wine's show. I picked Washington to be in the playoffs. I'm not even going to lie to y'all. I picked Washington to be in the playoffs. I thought with Eric B. Enemy coming there, Ron Rivera would have to coach for his job. I thought that Washington would be way better than what the fuck they became. And early in the season, the first two games, it looked like they were going to be really good. And then it just fucking bottomed the fuck out very fucking fast. As soon as you trade Chase Young and Montez Sweat, you know your season ain't shit. And you know you're done. Um... But Washington is now also entering that net, and Ron Rivera is not the only person in Washington that is getting fired. The general manager is also gone too. So, and they will be enlisting Washington's new uh, owner will be enlisting um, Bob Myers, the former Go to Go to State Warriors general manager, and uh, Rick Spisser, who is the former Vikings general manager, to help him in the search for the new general manager of. Uh, the Washington Commanders, which will lead, which will lead into firing the new head coach of the Washington Commanders. Um, the Raiders, the Raiders, uh, the Chargers have already fired their head coaches, so it's not that surprising. Um, who else? Who else got fired? Uh, oh, Mike Vrabel was fired today from the Tennessee Titans after what? Six years, something like that. Six, seven years, something like that. Um, the former coach of the year, 2021, uh, Mike Vrabel, was uh, fired today. Um, that was also another one that was kind of like, not that fucking surprising. It's kind of obvious. Like, you knew you were going to get fired. Um, so I'm not that surprised. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, man, I can't believe Mike Vrabel got fired. Like, really? You can't believe Mike Vrabel got fired? Like, really, nigga? Did you see Tennessee the last couple of years? He pissed away the division last year, and I don't want to say he pissed away because Mike Vrabel is not the reason. And I don't know. I, I've seen Mike Vrabel get fired. I have not seen them say the general manager of Tennessee got fired because that motherfucker gave him absolutely nothing to play with. This man has no team. That shit was disturbing. The best thing the general manager did all fucking season was get DeAndre Hopkins. And even in that sense, 
that was more because Mike Vrabel and DeAndre Hopkins was cool from the Houston Texans days. So the fact of the matter is, this nigga didn't do shit. I do not trust the fact that this damn Tennessee Titans general manager is still employed. I have no idea. So I should have wrote this down. I don't know why I didn't write this down. But uh, so that means, so the Panthers, the Panthers, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Chargers, Washington, Panthers, Raiders, Chargers, Washington, Falcons. Okay. It's two teams in the AFC West. It's, uh, you know, Tennessee. Two teams in the NFC South. So, shit. Chargers, Raiders. Panthers, Falcons. Titans. Commanders. It's not a fucking team. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not tripping. I know it's Chargers, Raiders. Pal- uh... Panthers, Falcons, Washington, Tennessee. It's another damn team. I can't fucking remember. It's another team. Y'all might remember before I do, but shit. But there's some teams that still are very interesting. Baltimore, uh, Chicago with Matt Eberflutes, which I think they're going to actually keep Matt Eberflutes. I don't see him getting fired. The way that defense played late in the season that is what you hired him for, to create that defense, to get that type of energy. But I feel like if you're going to keep him, then you probably have to either trade Justin Fields or you're going to have to really trade that number one pick and get something for it, not just defense. You're going to have to get an offensive weapon for just for that team to flourish. More so, an offensive lineman. Like, that shit's ridiculous. Um, But, yeah, Matt Eberf- uh I think Matt Eberflow is going to keep his job. I also think... If it hasn't happened, it probably won't happen. If it does happen, then I will, you know, speak on it. But I do not see the Patriots firing Bill Belichick. I know it sounds absolutely fucking crazy, but I do not see the Patriots firing Bill Belichick. I don't see it happening. Um, I know a lot of people will sit here and say that I'm crazy, I'm delusional, but I think they're going to give it one. I think Bill Belichick is literally going to give it one more year. This time, just without him having to call plays. I think that is exactly what the fuck they're going to do. They're going to go with this decision of not having him call play. I mean, call plays, logies, call personnel. I think they're going to fire him as general manager. I think they're going to let him go as that. Like I told my brother Juan, I can easily see Bill Belichick not being a general manager of the Patriots anymore. And that's about it. I, 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 I do not believe that the Patriots are going to get rid of Bill Belichick. They got the number three pick in the draft. They got the number three pick in the draft. They have, you know, enough. I feel like they got enough wiggle room. I think they can figure some things out. But, yeah, I can easily see Bill Belichick not being the the general manager of the New England Patriots uh, in the upcoming future. This is not going to happen. There's still some teams also can see easily getting fired. Um, some head coaches are getting fired, uh, depending on what happens in the in in the playoffs. And to me, that's 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 Nick uh Nick Cerrone for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. I don't think he's getting fired, but the way the fucking Eagles have literally failed the last shit month, like the whole like a month and a half, the Eagles have just completely fucking nove dived, like. After the bye week, they went 100% into the, into the fucking shitter. Like, I don't know what happened. Like, it's, it's embarrassing to see that shit happen. But I can easily see, like I said, I think also Mike McCarthy, depending on what happens with him and the Cowboys. Like, if the Cowboys lose sat, uh, Sunday to the Green Bay Packers, like, shit. Like, if they lose immediately to the Green Bay Packers, I can easily see him getting fired. Easily see him get fired because they you literally have the two seed at home. You cannot lose this fucking game. I'm sorry. You just cannot. Green Bay, I get it. They're on a rise. They're on a high. Great. Whatever. But the one thing about Green Bay I will say that Dallas has struggled with is they can run the fucking ball. Aaron Jones is healthy. The A.G. Dillon's healthy. Like, the Green Bay Packers could run the football. And if they can can get if they can get that run game going, 
I am a little bit afraid for the Dallas Cowboys in game in this game. I'm not even gonna lie to y'all, but I get into that and my uh, my eyes are on football. But that is what the head coaches are fired. Some head coaches that I thought would probably get fired. Like I said, Bill Belichick is still probably gonna keep his job. Matt Eberflus is gonna keep his job. Uh, Robert Salas is another one. A lot of people thought Robert Salas probably would get fired too, but I didn't think that. I'm like, you get a man no fucking help. Like, come on, bro. Like, seriously. Um. Also, Dennis Allen. Um, I'm shocked some of our offensive coordinators, defense coordinators have not been fired. I think it was like one defense coordinator that's already gotten fired. The Jags fired their entire defensive staff. Um, <laughs> need to fire your quarterback. But, uh, you know, it is what it is. But let's get into it, man. So my big four of the NFL this, uh, for the, this last week coming into the postseason, there wasn't a lot of teams I could pick for. Now, usually I do pick. Regardless, I don't care if you're on a bye or you didn't really play. I, I, but to me, it didn't feel right to pick four teams when some of these teams didn't even really fully fucking play. So I picked my four teams that are coming in to the postseason off of games that they had to actually win. So next week, I will be back doing my big four, clearly, the way I want to do it. But for right now, this is my big four. So starting at number one is the new – AFC East Divisional Champions. Well, new insane. The Buffalo Bills at 11-6. They will be taking on the Pittsburgh Steelers this upcoming weekend for the playoffs. Sunday, I think it will be the game between Buffalo and Pittsburgh. Um, Yeah, Buffalo beat Miami uh, coming into this playoff season, man. Last week, I think I had the Bills. Matter of fact, I did have the Bills last week. Let me see. Check and see. Yep, I had the Bills at number three. They're at number one. The Bills have been on a hot streak, I mean, for the last couple of weeks um, to catch the Miami Dolphins and then go into Miami having an absolutely terrible fucking game. But champions win, man. They win in high-pressure situations. You could tell the high-pressure situations didn't get to the Bills. It got to Miami, um, and the Bills won this game. I'm not surprised that the Bills are the AFC champions. Um especially when you go on a five-game winning streak. They were literally 6-6 six and six when I think they lost to Denver. They are like 6-6, six and six, and then they fired the office coordinator and, you know, promoted uh, John, uh, Joe Brady to offensive coordinator, and this team has been rocking ever since. Uh, the defense is a little banged up coming into this postseason. Uh, Rasheel Douglas got injured in that Miami game, so I got to see how that's going to look coming into this Pittsburgh game. But coming against Pittsburgh, when they have now no T.J. Watt, yeah, that's a little shaky, shaky for me, man. I don't like that game at all for, for Pittsburgh at all, man. Um, so, yeah. Number two is the Houston Texans coming in at 10-7. and seven. Also, the new reigning AFC champions. They will be taking on the Cleveland Browns here in Houston. Uh, also, well, they'll be taking on them Saturday. First playoff game of the weekend is actually the Texans versus the Browns. So, they're going to get that shit out of the gate. Um, CJ Strauss the shit. He's the truth. He's the fucking young goat, man. I cannot believe people literally sat up there the entire fucking offseason before the draft and literally tried to tell me, tell y'all, because they can tell me, tell y'all that CJ Strout was going to be some quarterback that was never going to pan out. That was literally the narrative. Oh, man, Houston, uh, look at the franchise. I mean, do you really trust the Houston Texans franchise? D'Amico Ryans is a rookie head coach. He's and not just any rookie head coach. He's on the defensive side of the of the head coaching spectrum. They're never going to figure out the quarterback situation, which means C.J. Stroud is screwed. And then this man literally went out there Saturday night against the Colts and literally – won a division Saturday night. You know what's funny is that I was watching me and my brother Wine show when we did the mock draft, and I said that C.J. Strout was going, that C.J. Strout was going to beat the number two pick overall. I told my brother Wine, I said, man, C.J. Strout's going to be the number two pick overall. He's going to Houston. They're going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Let's see how this all pans out. I never thought that he would come in and then automatically win 
the AFC, the AFC uh, South. But now that it's happened, I'm not surprised by it. I actually think that the Houston Texans Saturday night against uh, the Cleveland Browns is going to be a very interesting game. And I'll talk about that more when I get into my eyes on football. But to me, number two, Houston Texans, 10-7, AFC South champs. Number three, finishing the season at 12-5 and in the NFC East champs, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas is the first time they ever even made this damn list ever since I've started it. Uh, yeah. Listen, push come to shove, they won against Washington. That was something that they needed to do to win the division and to keep the two seed. Um, me personally, I think that, uh, okay, let's be honest. Let me, let me be real for a second. Let me be really real with y'all for a second. Um, I don't know if Dallas could be Green Bay Saturday. I mean, Sunday night. I don't know if Dallas could be Green Bay. They should be able to. They're at home. They should definitely win that game. It's it's a fucking lie. But I don't know if they do. And that's the fear of the Dallas Cowboys. It's like, you should definitely win this game. But when it's in high-pressure situations, playoffs, you can't blow out every fucking body. They're not, they're not going to let you just beat their ass 33 to 10 at home. That shit ain't going to happen every time you play a playoff team. Green Bay is feeling it. I think Dallas is good enough to win against Green Bay, depending on who they play in the second round, will be an interesting situation. Because if they play Detroit or the Rams, or, you know, Detroit or the Rams, it will be a dangerous situation to say the least. So, yeah. But Dallas is in my three. And at four is those Green Bay Packers. Coming in at nine and eight, like I said, had to win the game Sunday to, to make sure that they were in the playoffs. Uh, beating the, uh, the Chicago Bears. Uh, like I said, Green Bay is coming in, riding a very high streak. I don't know what Jar Love is going to be looking like in the playoffs. But if it's anything like he did against Chicago, no nerves, no rattleness. He's going to play his, his ass off. Like I said, Green Bay plays this game very smart. It's very simple. Just run the ball. Keep the ball in out of Dak De- Prescott and that offense's hands. Well, keep the ball out of C.D. CD Lamb and Dak Prescott's hands, and you should be good. Uh, run the ball, control clock, keep Jordan Love from messing up, and they should be good. Um, and he will become instantly a, a Green Bay Packers legend if he goes into Green Bay I mean, goes into Dallas and beats the Cowboys in a playoff game, he will instantly become a goddamn legend. Uh, and that just, that's just being really honest with y'all. But <clears throat> my eyes on the NFL, postseason edition. Let's get into it, man. Y'all know how I do this. I got four games that I talk about. My skeptical game of the week, my most interesting game of the week, my upset game of the week, and then, of course, my game of the week. So let's get into it. My skeptical game of the week is exactly that game. Excuse me. It's exactly that game. Packers versus Cowboys. Um, Sunday noon. Well, not noon. Sunday, 3.30 out here in Houston will be this game. Why is it my skeptical game of the week? Like I said, Cowboys should definitely win this game. They're at home. Like everybody's been screaming. Dallas at home is a dangerous team. But here's the thing about that. Green Bay had to win two games, one on the road against Minnesota, the other one at home against the Chicago Bears just to get into the playoffs. And they did it. And they didn't just do it from luck. Jordan Love went on the road to Minnesota and outplayed the entire Minnesota team. Dallas, as good as Dallas is at home, 
They still can't run the fucking ball. Like, that's a scary thing. They can't run the ball. Green Bay's secondary, though, has been very prone to giving up big plays. This is not a shocker. This is not a thing. You actually watch the Chicago game. They were prone to giving up big plays. But again, Dak Prescott has got to probably force the ball to CeeDee Lamb a lot in this game, especially if Jameer Alexander is actually playing because I know Jameer Alexander is going to be following CeeDee Lamb the entire fucking game. I cannot see him saying somebody else get on CeeDee Lamb. If he is not banged up, he is going to guard this dude the entire game. So good fucking luck, Dak Prescott. Because as much as you're going to try to force it, I don't know if that's a good idea for you. Which means y'all going to have to figure out a game plan. And I don't know if Dallas' offense can, again, continuously. I don't know if Dallas' offense can run the ball. And if you watch the Chicago game, Green Bay's old defensive line is, is stout. They still got Kenneth Clark. They still got the, the people that they have. They got Wyatt. They got some people in that defensive line of Green Bay that is – very ready to go. And you still got Rashad Gary, who's one of the one hell of a pass rusher that can get to Dak Prescott. And that offensive line of Dallas, when they are in late third and longs, they're not great at stopping blitzes or pressure. They can get to Dak Prescott. This is why it's my skeptical game of the week. I'm not saying Green Bay beats Dallas. But I would say this could be the money where if you are a betting person, I would probably put my money on this game. And say, if any game, it would probably be this one. It's Sunday. It's all eyes on it. It could actually be the game that Dallas just folds. And you'd be like, damn, Dallas, really? It, it feels like a damn Dallas, really game. It feels like one of those. Just keep your eyes on it, man. Let's get the game of the week. My most interesting game of the week is the Rams versus the Lions. This is pretty obvious. Everybody's been talking about, oh, man, is Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit, which is true. It's 100% true. It's the first game he's ever played in Detroit as a visiting quarterback. He was been in Detroit for most of his career until he got traded in 2020 uh, to go to the Rams. Nobody has ever said, you know, it's a flip side to that coin. Nobody's ever said that. Jared Goff is in the playoffs for the first time since – the Super Bowl that he played with the Rams against the Patriots. Nobody said that. This is the first game there. This is the first time Jared Goff has been in the playoffs since then. And the first game he plays in the playoffs is at home. He got the Detroit Lions back in the playoffs. Not just back in the playoffs. Divisional champions. And he's playing against the Ted coach that told him, I, I can't do nothing with you. We have to trade you because we can't do nothing with you. Damn. This is way more than just Matthew Stafford going to Detroit. This is Jared Goff playing against the Rams, too. We keep forgetting that there was two quarterbacks that were swapped in that trade. And ever since then, Jared Goff has been that fucking dude. You don't think Jared Goff wants to prove to the Rams you fucked up? Yeah, you got a ring. Great. But as long as I am in the NFC, you are not winning a fucking title as long as I'm relevant. You don't think he wants to beat Sean McVay? Y'all don't think he wants to beat Sean McVay, the man that literally told him, you pack your shit, you got to go. You don't think he wants to beat him? Are you crazy? Come on. Ah, yeah. Matthew Stafford going back to Detroit. That's awesome. I'm happy for him. But let's be 100. Jared Goff and, Brad and Brian Johnson are going to disguise and scheme up some plays. And I am so happy this is the Sunday night game. Because this is going to be the game. Where everybody's going to either sit here and say, see, the Rams were good all along. We knew it. Let's be real. Or this is either going to be the game where we finally say, holy shit. Detroit could actually be a Super Bowl team. 
There is no in-between. This is why we played it. That's why they play the game. That's why we're fans. Yes, Matthew Stafford is going back to Detroit. But Jared Goff is also playing Sean McVay. The man that told him, pack your shit, get the fuck out of here. Yeah. This game's going to matter. And that's why it's my most interesting game of the week. My upset game of the week. This is pretty obvious. I'm not even going to play games with this one. It's the Eagles versus the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. This is the problem. I don't know who's the upset anymore. <laughs> I don't even know who's the upset anymore. I don't even know if it's the Eagles or if it's Tampa. Like, I don't even know anymore. A.J. Brown is hurt. Devontae Smith is hurt. DeAndre Swift is battling the illness. Jalen Hurts literally has a broken finger, I think, on his throwing hand. It's like, what the fuck? And Philly's defense still suck. This is not good, man. And like I said, I don't even know what the fuck is the upset anymore. I would say it's Tampa, right? Tampa looked terrible the last two weeks against the Saints and then against Carolina. They didn't even score a touchdown against Carolina. They look terrible coming into this week. And they didn't look good against the Saints either. They barely scored 13 points. Baker Mayfield had like two or three picks in that game. It's like, okay, what the fuck is this? Like, I don't know who's the upset anymore. I guess that's why it's my upset game of the week. I don't know who's the upset anymore. I don't know who's the upset anymore. Like, that is the craziest thing. Like, Philly should be the team that we support and we think is going to walk in and win this game. But that Philly secondary is god-awful. And this is not like week three when they played in Tampa in week three. This is a way different two. These are two different fucking teams. If you were to tell me in week three that Tampa and Philly would play again in the playoffs, I would tell you, did Tampa win the NFC South? And did they some magically, somehow, some way, get past the Dallas Cowboys? <laughs> like, I would be like, yo, like somehow, some way, they magically got past the Dallas Cowboys. Like, how the fuck is that possible? Because I would have told you Philly was the number one seed. Tampa just magically got past the Dallas Cowboys. And that's how they play Philly. But the fact that it's in Tampa again, I'm going to be honest, man. I think Tampa beats Philly. I I think Tampa beats Philly. And, and, and here's the thing. That's not an upset to me. It's not an upset to me. Monday night is going to be very intriguing. Last year when Tom Brady, the last Tom Brady game, I picked Dallas because I knew Tampa offensively and defensively could not stop Dallas. This week I'm picking Tampa because I know Philly's defense can't stop what Tampa can do, and that is air out the ball. And if Tampa can air out the ball, Philly's not winning this game. Which brings me to my game of the week. Talked about it earlier. I'll talk about it again. I am so looking forward to this. This is the first game of the playoffs this season. And that is Saturday, 3.30 here in Houston. The Browns versus the Texans. The Browns are a team that I have very high hopes for. I expect the Browns. Boring an upset somewhere. I hope that the Browns and the Ravens play in the AFC Championship game. But I, I, I cannot see... Miami or Pittsburgh beating the Kansas City Chiefs or the Buffalo Bills. I can't see it. So that means I might have to get that game in the divisional round. It is what it is. But if not, I would not mind seeing C.J. Stroud and D'Amico Ryans making it to the the divisional round to play against the Baltimore Ravens. I would not mind that. That would be a rematch of week one of completely fucking different teams. From week one to now. This is the best game you could have asked for. These two teams literally played 
in week 16. The Browns, of course, Amari Cooper had like 235-some yards of receiving, something like that, some crazy-ass number, 200-some yards receiving, two touchdowns. Like, I think the Texans versus the Browns is going to be a very intriguing game. This is going to be one of those games where you look up and you're like, damn, this game is different. Like, what the fuck is this? I'm not saying Houston's defense is anywhere near the Browns because it's fucking not. But I do believe not having C.J. Stroud in week 16 will show why he is different. C.J. Stroud is going to play his ass off in this game. I think a lot of people, if you saw him against the coach, you're probably like, oh, yeah, he got this. No, like, watch this game. I think we're going to finally see what's up. This is a hard game to pick, and I'm going to be honest. I do not know who wins this game. I don't know. I am looking forward to this game, though, and that is for damn sure. Which brings me to my levels of warning. Now y'all know how I do this. Three teams, three different levels. Yellow, caution, orange, panic time, and red is just plain old DOA. Which brings me. To yellows are caution. That is the seven and ten finishing the season. Seven and ten, the Chicago Bears. Chicago has more questions than answers right now, and I have been very vocal and said they're stupid if they trade Justin Fields, and I will still stand on that. If they trade Justin Fields, the Bears are going to live to regret that. I get it. I get it. Caleb Williams, he's a superstar. He's going to be a franchise-caliber quarterback. You know what y'all said, said that about? Bryce Young. You know what y'all said that about? Trevor Lawrence. Maybe I don't, I don't know franchise quarterbacks. But let's get the ass in the NFL, and then we can have these conversations. Okay? Let's, let's just do that. I think the Bears, there's two options for the Bears, really, right now. One, keep the pick. Trade Justin Fields. Draft Keller Williams. But that offensive line of the Bears, it's not getting fixed. Still got to get them weapons. And it seems like the more you look at that team, it's going to be more on the defensive side of the ball. So instead of getting somebody that needs all the protection in the world, because you go from a Justin Fields, who's about 6'1", 6'2", to a Keller Williams that's about what? 5'11", 6 feet? Two different situations. I mean, this is this is not going to be easy. This kid can literally, he's a little bit more athletic than Bryce Young, but he could literally end up in the same position as a Bryce Young. I don't think people really are understanding this. The Bears are not fit right now. They're not a good team to just put this kid into the franchise and just think he's going to be great. He's going to clearly have a better defense than he had at USC. That is for damn sure. But like I've said numerous times, I have seen Lincoln Raleigh quarterbacks come out the, come out the draft. Coming to the draft, Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and again to the NFL, they do really well, but then they flame out after two, three seasons because they get injured. I, I just, I just think about the Bears with that offensive line that you saw Sunday against the Packers, with the Vikings defense still there, depending on what they do with Brian, Brian Flores decides to go take another job or something. If I was the Bears, man, I would not get rid of Justin Fields, which leads me to option number two, which is trading them one pick. Trading them one pick, uh, get um, trading them one pick, and actually get some help for this kid. Now, my thing is this: it is going to be Denver. I see the Denver or the Raiders trying to get up to the number one spot. The Raiders have a little bit more than Denver. When it comes to me personally, I think Denver Denver has Patrick Sertan that you could trade and get 
which would definitely help the cornerback situation for the Chicago Bears. You can move Jalen Johnson around and Patrick Sertan can play the number one and probably get Jerry Judy two for the number one pick. You get two and one, maybe. And you get Denver's pick. And then they pick in like top ten. Maybe just out the top ten. Definitely top fifteen. If you're the Raiders, depending on what you do with the head coaching situation. You clearly are gonna go get, you know, a quarterback, I am assuming. Why not just trade up and maybe have a conversation with the Chicago Bears about maybe trading for uh Colt Miller? Which I don't think they're gonna let Colt Miller just walk for free. That shit's crazy. But if they get no more pick out of it, they probably will trade you Colt Miller. <laughs> like like definitely. Or Devontae Adams. Like it could happen. And they keep Justin Fields. So I, I I don't know what the Bears are gonna do. But they got two options. They got and they got a they got till at least March to figure this out. Orange panic time, and that is the '89 Denver Broncos. I had high hopes for Denver. That clearly faded away. Like I said, I don't think that Russell Wilson being benched was a bad thing. Russell Wilson, for two years now, for two years now, has struggled with Denver. This isn't also a situation where Denver always wanted Russell Wilson as their quarterback. We all know. They wanted Aaron Rodgers, and the fact that they couldn't get Aaron Rodgers, that made them have to go get Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson has never been Denver's guy. He was never Denver's guy. So everybody that was shitting on Sean Payton and saying, ah, I can't believe Sean Payton would, you know, do this to Russell Wilson. Do what to Russell Wilson? Tell him the fucking truth? No. Denver is a season 8-9, like I just said. If I am them, I'm calling Chicago and seeing, can I either get Justin Fields or can I get the number one pick? Me, personally, if I was Sean Payton, I'd probably try to get Justin Fields. Um, That's just how I operate. I don't know how everybody else operate, but if I was them, a guy that's already been in the league a long time, a couple of years, that just needs a better start, and he's actually a quicker, faster, younger Russell Wilson, yeah, younger Russell Wilson, yeah, I would take my chance with Justin Fields, but I could definitely see the Broncos being very active in getting a quarterback, either trying to get the number one pick from the Chicago Bears, or just trying to get Justin Fields from the Chicago Bears, which leads me to DOA, red, <laughs> y'all know this is going to be the DOA team, come on, y'all know this, and that is... The 9-8 and eight Jacksonville Jaguars. Like I said, you want to show off, you know, a team that just played themselves? The Jacksonville Jaguars. I heard so many excuses already for this shit. Why the Jags lost uh, the division and all this shit. Ah, oh, Trevor Lawrence, man. He must have a, a shoulder injury because, of course, he had a shoulder injury. But at the same time, Y'all got to admit to yourselves that this dude just not that guy. He's not. Stop trying to make something out of nothing. Y'all going to sit up here and say, well, well, they were, when they were on that six-game winning streak, he looked amazing. When they were eight and three, he was amazing. Let's go back to that winning streak. And let's pay attention to the teams they played in that winning streak. Out of those teams they played in that winning streak, how many teams are in the playoffs? In that winning streak, how many teams are in the playoffs? The Steelers? The Bills? I think they beat the Bills. Steelers, Bills. That's it? That's it? 
I think they played the Ravens in the in Jacks. I, I can't remember. I think they played the Ravens. I can't remember. But that's it. Play two teams in that winning streak. That's what I'm saying. Like people that are sitting up here and being like, "Oh, they played," you know, they, when they went on that six game winning streak, they were. It's like pay attention to the teams they played during that winning streak. Stop trying to make shit seem like, oh, they were great. They don't, no, man. They played who they played. They lost to Jake Browning in the Cincinnati Bengals, and that was before Trevor Lawrence got injured. Trevor Lawrence is just not that guy, and I think people need to stop acting like that. There's no way in hell Doug Peterson, who is a Super Bowl-winning head coach, who won that Super Bowl with Nick Foles, is going to... Have a eight and three divisional win. This is how crazy this shit is. The Jags in the last six games of the season went one and five. One and five. The only win they had in that stretch, Trevor Lawrence didn't even play. He didn't even fucking play. Are we? Why are y'all doing this to yourselves? What? Why? The proof is there. He turns the ball over. He's always been a turnover fucking magnet. Nothing's changed. You're not watching me fucking Clemson. His rookie year, last year, the fucking dude had four turnovers in the fucking playoffs before the Chargers completely collapsed. He had four fucking turnovers in that game alone. What the fuck are y'all talking about? Y'all are choosing not to see the shit. This is why I say pump the brakes on the Caleb Williams talk because y'all just said this shit about Trevor Lawrence. Four fucking years ago now. Oh, Trevor Lawrence is the franchise. He's an elite quarterback. He comes in. He has a Super Bowl winning head coach. He had an 8-3 and three record this year. They went 0-5 when he played in the last six fucking games. They lost the division to the Tennessee Titans. Who had nothing to play for. Other than their star. Derrick Henry is about to leave. Clearly Mike Vrabel got fired today. Ryan Tannehill is out the door. DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to get traded. And you let Tennessee absolutely beat you down. Sorry. That I have to speak facts. But now it's time. Hopefully, for you sons of bitches, to stop trying to act like this kid is an elite guy. No, he's good. He's okay. When everything goes right, he's going to win you games. But when shit go left, you can best believe he's going left with it. That is this week's I Believe Sports. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Till next time, I am Brian Jagu. Peace.